Hello and welcome to this Meetings Today podcast. I'm Tyler Davidson, Vice President and Chief Content Director for Meetings Today. And we are here at PCMA Convening Leaders in San Diego with the President and CEO of Merits, David Peckinpah. Uh, thanks for joining us, David. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate the opportunity. And uh, you have a, just a really unique perspective on the industry as a whole because you're such a large organization that really hits a lot of different parts of it. Um, and so tell me, what are sort of your top of mind um, event trends you're seeing in the next year? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about AI. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, that was on the main stage here at Convening Leaders um, yesterday, part of even the conversation today. So AI is dominating the, the discussions right now. I think the reality is everyone's, everyone's trying to figure it out, right? If anyone tells you they've got to figure it out, they're probably lying. And so it's new age, new, a uh, lot of new discovery uh, that is being required right now. And so from our organization's perspective, we have an AI steering committee, we have an AI policy, not necessarily restrictive policy, but one that really lays out the guardrails mm-hmm. of how AI can and should be used and what to avoid. And uh, I think that's really important for a lot of organizations. And then we're experimenting. We have 11 use cases that we've identified. We have three that are in uh, proof of concept right now and i think that's the key thing is experiment learn be cautious yeah right because there's there are a lot of landmines out there it all sounds great but there are a lot of landmines and a lot of uh, really uh you know publicly visible landmines if you step on one right <laughs> oh yeah you don't want to be that guy or yeah. that gal so yeah that's it i think that's key i think the other one dominating my mind is just the whole talent issue mm-hmm. um you know the cost of uh, talent has gone up the the uh, ability to manage and nurture talent i think is very different in today's world hybrid virtual um you know in person everyone has a different model Uh, but that puts different stressors on organizations i think that's uh, front and center from uh, uh, like my position Uh, i think that's mandatory and then you know i always from an event perspective i always try to anchor back to the airlines because i think we tend to overlook the airlines the importance of the airlines the uh, importance of their health Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been a lot of challenges over the years. They got a lot of help during COVID. Um, we just had the Alaska Air issue, and that has ramifications. And while a lot of our events people can drive to or get to locally, vast majority of our events are fly to. And I think that also ties into I'm wearing a sustainability pen from the UN goals uh, today. And I think that ties in into the sustainability issue, which is also front and center, right? The weaponization of air travel is certainly out there and being discussed. We've got to be ahead of that issue. Um, And what we're doing around certification of uh, sustainability scores, we're seeing in an RFPs for our business customers setting minimal standards that we have to meet as a supplier and then we have to pass that down to our suppliers. Uh, We actually had one client that has a budget around their carbon um, offsets. They reached their offset limit and had to cancel the meeting because of it. What do you think is is driving that? I mean, and is it the same factors also? I was going to ask you about like supplier diversity or other DEI issues. And, um, you know, I think sustainability was one of these things through the pandemic. 
everyone was focused on the pandemic. It emerged after the pandemic, just as high profile as it ever was. Um, and you, so, you know, what is driving that? And do you think it's sort of the same thing that's maybe driving DEI also? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there are two main drivers of sustainability. I'll, I'll stick with that initially, is global warming. I mean, that's uh, even the Clintons today talked about that. And, um, you know, I know there are two sides of the story, but if you listen to the scientists and all the data, just had the warmest year on record. Um, global warming is, in my opinion, is here in front and center. And so that's driving a lot of this. And then a lot of it is optics, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of yeah. social pressure being driven. Um, we have a team in Europe and the European Union, uh, the, you know, European region, um, is uh, the sustainability is front and center, right? They're right. way ahead of us where we are in the U.S. as far as um, the, the level of attention they're putting to it, the, um, the regulations and, and practices they're putting against it. So I think those are the two things that are really driving that. And then on DE&I, you know, I know there's been a bit of retrenching around that. Uh, I have a different perspective because at the end of the day, I think it's about doing the right thing. Sure. And while there's some issues like the George Floyd issue that brought it to front and center around some of the DEI initiatives, we have five uh, employee resource groups within our company. And there are issues like elder care and accessibility. It's not all race and it's not all LGBTQ plus, yeah. right? There are a lot of different areas that are, are requiring attention. And our approach is we want to be a company that's welcoming. Um, that's the term we tend to use and focus on. It's a hospitality term. Uh, it's what we, uh, what we, who we are, and what we do. And uh, and so I think DEI is front and center. And you know, and how about supplier diversity? Do you have uh, do you find more clients asking for that or placing a higher importance on that? Yeah, you know, I think it's it, that has tended to become more and more um, something that's looked at and requested. I would say it's not as high as the sustainability requirements right now. Yeah. We're not seeing the same level of focus. Um, but I think diversity is front and center, right? It's what yeah. we want to do. It's, it's how and uh, and how we work, and how we work with our supplier partners. And we do have a lot of customers that really expect that of us. Um, and do you think a lot of this is driven by uh, generational shifts too? I mean, do younger generations really uh, expect or demand sustainability? Expect or demand DEI? Yeah, I think the workforce is absolutely changing. I have a first-timer daughter here at uh, Community Leaders this year, and it's great to have her here. But to get her perspective as a 26-year-old, I think is very insightful and enlightening. So but I do think, yeah, it's that's part of the equation. But I also think our generation owns it, and uh, we're part of the solution since we, uh, for a large part, caused the problem. Yeah, and, and one thing I, I noticed, too, just about generational differences, and I guess we're getting more back into a, a workforce environment but uh they really enjoy collaborating they enjoy more frequent uh performance reviews um they almost a lot of times they almost are seeing more they they show more vulnerability and and really want more feedback is that what you're seeing yeah we have uh, a big cultural initiative that is going on and our we got rid of the annual employee review years ago um, i was never a believer in it if, if you have a meeting once a year with an employee and, and they're caught off guard by that feedback, shame on you and shame on them, right? So we have a continuous feedback loop. It's called aspirational coaching, uh, and it's a ongoing day in, day out, week in, week out. So yeah, at the end of the year, you need to do some paperwork and, and, uh, and review goals that have been established, both personal and professional. Um, but our employees, I think, are looking for fairness. They want communication. 
they want flexibility uh, and I think a large part yeah some of the new uh, enter entries into the workforce are, are driving that and um, I made some notes before this but um, and in consulting um, with with your folks before this but um, you were also maybe wanting to talk about rethinking event design what are you seeing there I think the big driver you know we've been in event design sort of at the forefront for now over 12 years um, built a design practice our design studio so it's been part and parcel of who we are we lead with design and we lead with data so I think you know front and center it's it's part of our DNA mm-hmm. I think what we've seen shift particularly post COVID is the need for additional customization uh, and I had this conversation with a, s- a small group yesterday I think you know if you're in the room and you've got it's just the two of us right now but we have other people in the room everyone wants a, an experience that addresses them as a unique individual mm-hmm. and a human and so it puts a lot of pressure on the design elements so how do i customize to you how do i customize to the next person the next person um, and i think that is the key shift that we're seeing in event design is you know some would call it mass customization i would call it individual customization uh, because the currency of experience right now is time and how people are going to spend that currency of time is critical to their decision whether they're going to be attending your meeting uh, a meeting or um, uh, investing that currency in, in that experience so it's got to be worth their time um, and then you know how about data what um, you know, what should your kind of frontline planners or teams of planners uh, what should be front of mind with them uh, when it comes to examining data I mean having a data strategy should be front and center yeah um, and you know at our company we've talked about it for years I'll admit wait we've struggled a little bit we've had some uh, starts and stops uh, but we're all in and we have been for a number of years so we have a, a, a team of uh, data and decision scientists um, I think the ability to use data it's not just collecting the data but you got to be able to use it to for predictive purposes for trend issues you know if you look at just a trade show collecting behavioral data uh, during a trade show absolutely affects how you're going to design your trade show floor for the next year mm-hmm. so uh, i mean data yeah if, for, if from an event professional it's got to be front and center but it's not just collecting it you got to have the why why am i collecting it how am i going to use that data how am i going to put it to use and have it make a difference and how about like hybrid meetings um i was talking with a major uh, the hemato- uh, hematology in yeah. um, Bill Reed there, yeah. um, and he was really, they've really had a successful foray into offering hybrid um, and charging the same as an in-person event, um, and they were very bullish on it, and it seems like it's paying off. Whereas I talked to other people, and, and it seems to be kind of slight receding a little bit. What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I mean. For the most part, we've seen it receding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we went into the early days of the pandemic saying this is going to be the way of the world, right? This is going to be front and center. It's going to be part of every single gathering. Uh, and we've changed our tune, right? We've seen the impact of it. I'm great, to, great to hear that Bill and Hematology is having that success. I think that is probably more of a unique um, situation than it is any kind of trend. Or the movement. audience is, is a different it's audience. It's a different audience. Yeah. Um, what we see it is like how Community Leaders is using it, right? They're yeah. providing it for free yeah. uh, as a way to attract other audience and hopefully they'll want to attend in person next year. Uh, so we've seen the demand for hybrid go way down. It's, it's not cheap, right? It's expensive. Yeah. And the focus of getting back in person is so powerful that that's really driving the, the decision process, I think. 
And you're seeing the the numbers uh, get back to pre-pandemic or if not exceeding them? Absolutely. Um, the only area I would say it might not be the case is the actual number of exhibitors. Trade show floors have either remained consistent or expanded. Mm -hmm. The number of exhibitors actually attending is probably a little more in flux. As companies decide, you know, I used to send 50, now I'm going to send yeah. 25, or I used to send 20, now I'm going to send 10. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of the equation. But uh, overall attendance uh, from our customer base absolutely is back. And then, you know, how, to end this, what sort of innovations are you seeing right now in meetings and events and and we can expect to see kind of gain prominence in the future? Yeah, well, I already talked about AI, so I yeah. think, and that's early days. That, that sucks that's all the oxygen days. out of it the does. room. Yeah. So that's why I'm just going to mention, but then move yeah. on. Uh, food and beverage, obviously, you know, the culinary experience now is front and center of every event. Um, and, and I think it's a challenge, right? Is uh, there's so many people that have now more dietary restrictions. Uh, the experience of the culinary um, experience is elevated, so uh, expectations are higher. So I think that's part of it. Um, and I think how you engage an audience is very different, right? And we keep talking about it, but we tend as an industry to fall back into our old habits, right? Talking heads, no interaction, and that's just, it's just not going to win the day. So we've got to figure out other ways to engage audiences to uh, avoid the, the talking head. Like at our own events, we've gotten rid of the opening keynote. Mm -hmm. And like one, uh, two years ago, I did it by video and sent it on in advance. So I did about an eight minute video that would have been done from main stage in the past. And instead we created um, areas for dialogue and, and, and uh, engagement for our audience uh, on key topics that they helped us identify. So a lot of experimentation, a lot of ways to get people involved in the meeting versus the old sit back and and just listen uh, that's not going to work oh, and i guess i should ask you about prices too because that's been huge for the last po for the post pandemic everywhere you go the the guy you know the gas station the, the grocery store and of course meetings and events what do, what are you seeing there yeah i mean our data is very clear since uh 2019 uh costs overall are 25 to 30 percent higher wow. versus vers virtually every category yeah uh year over year from 23 now we're predicting for 24 somewhere in the five to six percent and again, so it's, it's slowing down but it's still yeah but com high. compounded since 2019 yeah, it's yeah. it's significant go. and yeah. i don't think budgets have uh, recovered to the same extent. Yeah. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us. Any Anything else to add that planners should be uh, on the lookout for? I, you know, it's, it's AI, AI, AI. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just going to be the case. Uh, be wise, be smart, uh, experiment. Don't get carried away. Uh, but there are going to be some great applications for our industry. Well, thank you. Words to live by. Um, and that was David Peckinpah, uh, President and CEO of Merits. I'm Tyler Davidson, Vice President and Chief Content Director for Meetings Today. Thank you for joining us for this Meetings Today podcast. And uh, head on over to meetingstoday.com to see our other uh, podcasts, uh, many with Merits that are very informational. Um, and so uh, I thank you for listening today. And no matter what you're up to uh, with the rest of it, go out and make it great.